Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a... Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Across from the table from me is uh, a guy that I like to say is our Rangers beat writer, Evan Grant. No, you don't like to say that. You like to say that? (laughs) You don't like to say it. But nevertheless. And also joining us in the studio is our old pal, David Moore. Who, who hung around after the Cowboys podcast, and we're glad to have him with us. And joining us on the line uh, out there is our is our really good old friend and former Ranger uh, infielder and also uh, now is in the front office of the Rangers. I believe he's running the franchise now, uh, Michael Young. <laughs> uh, he believes he's running the franchise. <laughs> uh, I believe the title would be special assistant to the general manager. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good. It's good to talk to two of you right now. How you, how you gentlemen doing? <laughs> We're doing great, Michael. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. All right, let's just before we get to anything, I just want to make sure that everybody knows there's going to be a lot of tension here today. Um, for those who are not aware, uh, last week Michael um, tweeted a picture of me. National uh, Pet Day, I believe it was. <laughs> that was uh, National Pet Day. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it was on National Pet Day. It talked about me peeing myself as your pet. Uh, I believe it, it, it. For those who didn't see the picture, I had a little blue goatee because I had been at a cowboy game and um, a friend of mine had goaded me into getting my beard painted. Oh, I thought blue. you just had some uh, blue. Terrible uh, decision. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Of which he makes many a day. Now, uh, the the uh, thing that you two may not know, but yeah. I've I've since informed Michael, as I did actually just acknowledge. Look, you kicked my ass on on this one. Once again, you have introduced the... the I'm working blue. I'm working blue. You really are. Um, I went on uh, the Chris Mad Dog Russo show on uh, MLB Network last week because I'm a national correspondent. Wow. Um, (laughs) He throws that out at every opportunity. (laughs) No kidding. When we were ordering the other day uh, over at... uh, Twisted Root. When he was getting getting his tamale platter, he was telling him about what he did. Yeah. Uh, I was just on. I... um, I go on. They talk. They said they wanted to talk about Rangers. First thing I, I get is Chris Russo saying, "All right, Evan, I want to talk to you about a uh, uh, couple things, but first, here we got this tweet. Uh, Michael Young, uh, former Ranger, uh, says that you uh, you pee yourself. Uh, you're a good pet. You uh, you're very loyal. You got any thoughts on that? What do you got? Um, yeah, I got they, that was that was that was well They showed that picture, so um, there will be tension for the remainder of the broadcast. But um, at least Michael is here, um, and we can ask him lots of questions about the Rangers. Um, let's start with this: Why is this team not good? <laughs> nice broadside, you, you suck, Evan. You suck. Um, well, you know, I mean, listen. I mean, I, I've been through. I have been through stretches before where where teams don't play well. I don't want to say that this team. Uh, obviously, this is a very tough stretch, and every te- every guy in that clubhouse will tell you that. Um, and I'm not gonna. I don't subscribe to the theory where you say, "Oh, it's a, you know, it's a marathon season. You got to sit here and race for the long haul." Because if you do that too long, you're going to find yourself out of a race and. You know, it, things can go sideways pretty quickly. So I do, I do think that um, you know, if we get if we get healthy, that's a that's a big if. Obviously, we've had some bang ups earlier in the season, especially guys who just never get hurt. 
Um, but I would like to see those guys back in the lineup give us our full crack at this thing before we make any, you know, bold proclamations like you just did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that is, look, it, it, it's very true that the second day of the season this team lost Delano to Shields, and I, I, I thought that there were going to be big things in store for Delano, uh, but losing that leadoff guy at the top of the order uh, really changed the entire dynamics of the order. And, and before you could turn around, you were without Rugnet Odor and then without Doug Fister and then without Elvis Andrus. And, and now who knows what the situation is with Jerickson Profar after he landed on his head yesterday um, trying to complete a double play. Um, I, I guess the question for you would be, you have been through some rough starts with this club early in your career. What does that do to the clubhouse and to the ability to dig out? Yeah, it's 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 hard. There's there's no question about that. Especially you know, for me, early in the season, early in my career, uh, as far as you know, how this can relate personally to me. At that point, all I had known was was more bad big league teams, you know. And I know that what it's like when you get to the uh, when you've experienced winning. It's Oh, way, way worse to lose once you've experienced winning. And a lot of the guys in that room have experienced winning. They've been a part of division-winning teams and teams that, you know, you know, a couple of years ago had the best record in the American League. So when you get to this stretch now, it's really, really difficult. And that's when you have to really summon all your professionalism uh, and do what you can to perform at a high level, uh, no matter what the, the wins and losses say. And that's really hard to do. Um, like I said before, it, it's especially tough when, not only did we lose some guys to to injury, but we lost energy guys. That's that's hard. Delano's an energy guy. Rudy's an energy guy. Elvis is an energy guy. And to have us, you know, sucked out of your lineup uh, for a stretch early in the season is going to be challenging. Uh, but you know, you, you rely on you know some veteran leadership. Uh, and, you know, young players now present with some opportunities. Hopefully, they can provide some leadership like they did in that, in that series down in Houston, and uh, continue to build. Michael, like you were saying, too, this, this is David Moore. And uh, like you were saying earlier about you, you've been a part of some of these bad spot starts, and it's not – everyone says it's a marathon, but you can only get behind so far. And, and sure. you, you know, this team is not to that point yet. But you, you've been on teams and seen other teams. It, it seems to me that that baseball, more than any other sport, if you really dig yourself too deep of a hole early – it wears on you mentally more than any other sport just because of the sheer number of games you have left. And, and, and what are the biggest dangers once you reach that point, understanding this team's not there yet, but, but how dangerous is it when you get to the point where you have 100 or, or 85 games left and you feel there, there's no hope? What does that do? Yeah, that, that, can, that can happen. Um, I think the best thing a player can do at that point is to kind of, uh, you know, erase from their mind what the schedule still holds and just focus on the fact you got a ball game tonight. Playing in the big leagues is difficult enough if you don't, you know, if you if you try and, you know, bite off more than you can chew by looking at your entire schedule, that can get pretty daunting. You know, I would say the same thing for a team that's winning. The last thing you want to do is start really worrying about, you know, what lies ahead. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster as well. I think the biggest thing you can do is uh, bear down the ball game you got that night. That's the best way to pound through a season is to, you know, control the short term. And I would say that for pretty much any team, but specifically with a team that's off to a tough start, uh, you've got to figure out a way to kind of really narrow your focus level and um, bear down the ball game you got tonight. You know, last night we had a tough one, and it's an opportunity to redeem ourselves tonight. Michael, if uh, on this team, I'm looking around and, and trying to find a, uh, a a bright spot uh, here on the lineup. And if I and for for me, that Nomar Mazzara really has it seems like is is making a little bit of a move here. We haven't seen a lot of power. He did hit a home run last night uh, so far. He just got two, but he seems to be uh, handling left-handers a little bit better this year. And um, do do you feel like that uh, that he is uh, taking another step here? Yeah, yeah, I would say so for sure. And um, I think that's something that we all anticipated happening. Uh, the biggest thing with Nomar is he has a very high high hitter IQ. Um, you know, knows what he wants to do when he's at the plate. Learns from any anything that anytime he hits a speed bump, he learns from it. He files it away and he finds a way to make himself better because of it. And that's what all good hitters do. You know, uh, to your point about Nomar and you're looking for bright spots, I mean, it, it's, it is very safe to say that we need our young players to become, you know, those star-level players. That's how you, when you go through, when you want to bring your young position players to the big leagues, 
the guys you develop, you, those are the guys you want to be building blocks uh, you know, or, or a foundation for success for an organization. And we're not asking too much by that. These guys all have the ability to be star-level players, guys who are constantly competing for all-star games and becoming very impactful game uh, players in this league. Um, Nomar certainly one of those guys. Yeah, and that's what makes this so tough that Delano goes out and Ruggie goes out. You know, Ruggie really needs to, some time to kind of – he made some moves this spring. You know, he did, didn't show up in the stats a little bit, but he was, uh, you know, a little more patient, uh, looking more for his pitch this spring. Uh, and certainly Delano is a very intriguing uh, character to me. You know, when you look at the numbers last year especially, leading off uh, the Rangers' record, how much better it was and, and the rate. Well, not just, not just the, the record. I mean, the run production was more significant. Yeah, like, absolutely. Off, they were a running game better. Um, he had the ability to create. Uh, I think he, after a year where he struggled in 2016 to kind of grasp who he was, he, he identified who he was as a player and came back with a, with a really strong sense of who he needs to be. Um, and, and I do think this guy is, uh, he leaves a strong impression on you that this is a guy who expects to get the most out of his ability. And, and yeah, it's, it's a big blow because I did think that one thing the Rangers had an ability to potentially do early in the season was ride a lineup that looked pretty good. Uh, when you started taking guys out of the lineup and, and, you know, by the second, by the third week of the season, third week, third day of the season, basically, your one, two, three had gone Delino, Odor, and Elvis. And now all of a sudden you've lost the, your, the top three hitters in your lineup for a matter of time. You lost a third of your lineup. I mean, yeah. and I think the Yankees had the same, uh, similar injury issues and they've struggled as well. It's hard to lose a third of your starting lineup and, and not be affected by that. Not, not too many teams sure. are deep enough to withstand that kind of thing. So, they, I mean, we expect it to be a little rough anyway, and, and then they did that. That was another issue. Let me ask you a little bit uh, about uh, Martin Perez, too, uh, a guy that, uh, that I really thought going into this season was really going to pick it up. Um, and, and I would say that he has surprised me with his struggles so far uh, to get everything going, what what is it that you think that Martin needs to do to really get himself back on track? You know, as I was, uh, you know, this morning, you know, I grabbed a cup of coffee and I looked at organizational emails and I'm, I'm looking at some of Martin's quotes after the game and watching the game last night. I actually agree with him. I was I was scratching my head at that how those Rays hitters were just laying off his changeup all night, and I felt like he put his changeup in some really good spots. His fastball had some life and some movement, but no one's really budging on his changeup. And I thought his changeup looked good. So um, I don't have an answer for that. I'm not sure how it happened, but I mean, you just have to give the Rays hitters credit. They did it. They did a good job. Um, I would say with Martin right now, I mean, I think that we have high hopes for Martin. He's got great stuff. He's got life on his heater. Uh, his ball, you know, his ball's got a good arm side run, uh, good changeup. You know, his slider can be a very serviceable pitch as well. And um, he's a strong kid. Uh, I think the biggest thing right now is. It's tough to do with a pitcher because once they pitch and if they have a they have one of those outings and it happens to everybody where it just doesn't go their way, you got four days to kind of stew on that a little bit, and that can be tough. Um, but I would prefer to kind of just look at this like, you know, hey, it's, it's the start of the season. And you look at some really, really great players around the league, and they've got up to, you know, John Carlos Stanton is one of our the game's premier players, up to a bit of a tough start. Uh, you know, Francisco Lindor is one of the game's premier players. He got up to a bit of a tough start. It happens. So I think with Martin, I think that we have to, you know, you know, give him a little bit of stretch where he can learn from some mistakes, uh, try and make himself better, and really kind of like post up and be somebody who can be, uh, you know, a foundation piece for our pitching staff uh, heading into the summer because we're going to need it from him. You know, he's a homegrown kid. He's a great kid. We all love him, and we have high hopes for him. And um, you know, hopefully as the summer progresses, he can be that, you know, develop into a bit of a horse for us. I got two things on Martin Perez that. That do trouble me a little bit, or at least would give me some concern here. Um, you it, got more than two things that are troubling to you. First of all, there's a lot of your plate. <laughs> if you well, were me, ahead. if you were me, you'd have more than two things also. But okay. I, I, a, I want to say, look, at the end of spring training, I thought he was he he was ready to go. I thought there was no doubt that that he had beaten the schedules and, and all of that. Now, all that said. Um, the two things that bother me right now are this. Um, one is, you know, he brought up the question of tipping his pitches and so forth and so on. Uh, 
This is a guy who supposedly was tipping his pitches last year, made an adjustment, seemed to, to turn the corner, and was very aware of that problem this spring. It would be very troubling to me if he had, in fact, fallen back into that that habit because I would think that with all the time he spent over the last six weeks of last season and this spring training, that was all on the back of the head. He was very well aware of what he needed to not do. Uh, what a what's your in, what's your input on that? Um, yeah, regarding tips, um, you know, I, I do think that it's the pitcher's responsibility to make sure he's not tipping. Um, you know, one thing that hitters do, or big league hitters, especially experienced big league hitters, I mean, they're going to break down film before the game, and then as the game goes on, they're going to just be staring at that guy all game long looking for something. And for the most part, a lot of guys, I'd say 50% of the guys in the league do something. It's just a matter of whether or not, you know, guys with some keen eyes can pick it up. Um, I have no idea if that's happened so far this year. I don't know. So uh, I'm not really sure about that. But, I mean, I, I would hope that, you know, it's always the pitcher's responsibility to make sure that he is not giving, you know, tip his hand before the ball even leaves, uh, is on the way to the hitter. Um, hopefully, you know, other pitchers on the staff bear down uh, during games as well to make sure that he's not tipping. Um, but like I said, I, I do think that, that tipping is one of those things that's kind of like in baseball lore. A guy gets hit and everybody always chalks up to these tipping pitches. Right, right. Sometimes you just make pitch. Sometimes you make mistakes down the middle and they get smashed. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for Martinez is heading forward. Obviously, it'd be nice if he wasn't tipping. I have no idea if he is. I don't think he is. I watch the games and I don't see anything like that. So, hopefully, it's just a matter of, just, uh, you know, if it's just execution, boom, we can work with that. That's not a big deal at all. The second part that concerns me, and maybe I'm making a big leap here, is, you know, the Rangers have created this narrative over years that Martinez is somehow emotionally rattled by big innings or, or by things that that go wrong, uh, and he focuses on that. Well, here's a guy that's sitting here in the middle of May with a 13-plus ERA. And, and the thing that would, would concern me is, and I think I saw this with Sam Dyson some last year, that here's a guy that saw the numbers on the board every time he came in, and he was basically shot when he got to the mound. Do you think that there's any? Do you think Martin has the ability to block out the numbers and the performance early on, and understand that he's not going to rectify the statistical portion of the season uh, overnight? Sure, sure. I think he does. I mean, I, I, I think um, I think he definitely has the ability to do that. I think as a big leaguer, you have to have that ability because I can't think of one guy that's always got off to a nail start to start the season off. I, I had I had stretches where I was hitting two ten in mid May, and claw, scratch and claw your way out of it. Um, yeah, but so, do, I, yeah, do yeah. guys get obsessed with that? Do guys do guys end up looking at those numbers and we're, are are like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? Yeah, yeah, I think some guys some guys do that. Yeah, and that can that can be crippling. Um, you know, mentally, emotionally, it can be crippling to a guy. Um, but it's it's that's one of those things. That I'm not going to sit here and give somebody the answer. That's the player's responsibility to figure out and go out there and perform. Right. So I think Martinez certainly has that ability. Um, he's a confident kid with a ton of ability. Um, so I, I have complete confidence that he'll turn it around. I think, like I said, I'll just chalk this up to um, a couple of bad starts in the beginning of the season that he'll learn from and, and execute better as the season progresses. Well, that's the beauty, though. It is still early. You know, your your numbers go up and down uh, with a couple of good performances. He strings together a couple of you know you know six and seven inning uh, performances. You know, and and then the, the those numbers will come way down pretty fast. Uh, you know, I want to go back to the the tip and the pitches, Michael. When you were a hitter, how, how often, how many pitchers would you say that you you could tell that I, I know what he's going to throw when he's going to throw it? Yeah, I got better at it later in my career. Um, I wish I'd have been better at it earlier in my career. Um, much better later in my career. Um, as a matter of fact, when I go down to um, you know see our young kids in the minor leagues, one thing I'm always kind of telling them to look for, um, you kind of just pick a spot in the body and you'll see something move a little earlier. You'll see hands set up where they should, they weren't in the pitch before that. Um, it, it, can, it can be done, and there are guys who are just wizards at it. <laughs> Adrian's, Adrian's very good at it. Yeah, it happens a lot where... Uh, and you'll see sometimes, you know, maybe um, you know nobody on two outs, and you'll see a, you'll see a, a hitter set him up. You know, maybe not take his A swing there because he knows he might be up with second, and third, two outs, next one. And that's when he's really going to stick it to him. 
So, so I mean, there's that little uh, you know cat and mouse game, that chess match. It always happens. It happens a lot more with experienced players. So when you're, uh, they, they take any advantage they can get. Yeah. So when you're standing over there on the rail and you're and you guys are talking, is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? Is that kind of thing you're you're you're, you're watching these guys and that's what you're telling the other guys? Well, they ain't talking about clowns with Michael. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, that's definitely not happening. Um, yeah, dude, I hate you, man. <laughs> It's just such a yo-yo. Okay. Um, yes, Kevin, that is absolutely true. Like during the games, um, we, we, we are we are we're trying to discuss ways to win the game. Um, so yeah, I, I I I love that kind of talk personally. I love kind of seeing you know breaking down a pitcher in the stretch and you know seeing if there's something that we can see is going to help us as the game progresses. And um, that to me is the fun part about playing in the big leagues um there's just kind of this the, the finer things that you can maybe help see if you can sneak in an edge here and there um that to me is, is fun stuff and um typically like i said you see it with more experienced players but if you have a young talented kid who can learn that kind of stuff early it's it's really going to help them out can you you know we talk about guys taking pitches off and things like that in the field or at the plate can you do that in the dugout i mean because there are guys who you know will spend an inning kind of at the other end of the of, of the dugout Kind of joking around, just talking. You know, I don't know how much baseball they're talking, but it appears they're just trying to like, kind of um, get a mental break from the every pitch, every uh, every situation grind that can be really uh, a strong uh, and difficult mental type situation to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, I, I it's kind of a different strokes for different strokes kind of thing, and you can never really tell, uh, you know, what a guy is thinking. I think Adrian's a really good example. You know, he sits on the end of our on the end of our uh, dugout on the bench, and he doesn't miss a pitch. Um, I, I do think that guys should be um, dialed into every pitch of a game, and like you said, I mean, it is tough to do mentally, but that's why after every game, uh, especially in a postseason game, after every game, mentally you should be fried after a game. Right. Because you should have your, your your computers, your mental computer should be, be going every pitch. I mean, you should be able to go and after a game and someone should ask you about no more is that bat in the third, you should be able to break it down. You shouldn't be able to miss a pitch. Um, that, to me, is a, is a player's responsibility. So you never can really tell what a guy is thinking on the bench, and what, you know, what a guy's thinking if he's sitting where. I would try and kind of like stand up and lean up against the railing just to kind of like look at the pitcher and see everything I can see. But that was just me. That doesn't mean that my way was better or I was focusing more than anybody else. That was just my way. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of a different strokes for different strokes kind of thing. But I absolutely believe that players should be dialed into the game and not think about anything else. So this is, to me, the interesting thing. When, when people talk about having veteran players on a team and you see let's, – let's take the Astros, you know, when the, when the Rangers really had a hold on – on the Astros, and they were full of, of great young talent. Uh, they didn't have a lot of veteran leadership on that team. And so, you know, uh, I was one of the ones who was saying, yeah, that was I felt like was the edge that the Rangers had over the Astros there for a while was, was mostly that. Uh, but you know, I think that fans and, and the media sometimes think that, that all that means is that you know it, it, you're asking them as a leadership, don't get too, uh, don't get too up, don't get too down. But there are practical things, too, involved in, in uh, as you were saying, uh, about stand, sitting around there on the bench and talking that go far beyond just the, oh, this is just a, a wise old head and this guy will, you know, he, he, won't, uh, he won't let us get down here. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, all that stuff helps performance. I mean, at the end of the day, the numbers, numbers don't lie, but I don't believe they tell the whole story either. It's, it's how you get there. Um, so veteran leadership may not, you know, have – you know, a number value to it, um, but I do believe it's a very real thing. Uh, but I mean, it's not just a veteran; it could be anyone. You know, the most dangerous probably combo for for a for a baseball player is a talented young veteran. That's the guy that's got he's that's the guy that's dangerous. He's young, he's smart, he's passing on knowledge, uh, and he's really good. Those are the guys that are that are deadly in this game. So I mean, it doesn't really matter how old they are, but I do believe that for the most part, just from experience acquired, I mean, those guys tend to be kind of veteran type players. Um, but I mean, there's nothing, every, every roster usually has a really good, you know, balance of the two. And, um, you know, you have that experienced veteran guy, but then you have, there's nothing like, you know, having that youthful energy with all that ability, uh, that goes a long way for a team. I know that for us, like when Elvis first got called up, 
we needed that. We needed some youthful energy. We needed some kid, you know, running around, losing his helmet, sliding head first. It gives you, it gives you a, a jolt of energy. And like you said, or, like you guys were talking about earlier with Delino, I think that uh, we had an exhibition game back in Arlington when we broke camp in Arizona, and I think his first at-bat, he beats out a routine ground ball to second base. I mean, that stuff <laughs> does not happen. And yeah. that is a huge shot in the arm for a team. I mean, that's like, all right, we are ready to play today. Let's go. And those are the kind of things that Delano does, and it's really helpful. And I do think, you know, whether whether Ronald Guzman or Isaiah Kainer-Falefa are ready for the big leagues, I do think they bring some of that energy. I I will say this, and I mean this um, in the highest compliment um, I, I can. You know, I watch Isaiah walk around the clubhouse, and I watch Scott Heineman walk around the clubhouse in spring training, and Scott's an outfielder who's got some real ability and, and is at AAA right now. And they've got that same kind of confident bounce and energy that I remember seeing Michael that very first week in the big leagues. Uh, but there's also uh, a knowledge of it's not my place to lead this team. It's not my place to make a huge impact. It's my it's my um, place. If I'm, if I'm describing this wrong, let me know. But I, I thought your approach when you got here was – was your place to be energetic every day, to be enthusiastic, to ask questions, to learn, but to also know when you had to kind of withdraw and and, and not withdraw from the clubhouse, but just not defer. Yeah, defer a little bit. And and, yeah. and I, I think I see that with those two kids. You've been around them a little bit in the minor leagues. Um, I, I, I think I see some of it with Ronald Guzman, to be perfectly honest. I, I wanted to get your take on those guys before we let you go. Yeah. Really, really good kids. First of all, um, you know, uh, Kiner. I'm, I'm just really proud of that kid. I mean, he's come a long way, and look at him now. Guzzi has a ton of ability, and he's kind of just progressed despite being one of the youngest players in the league. He's always one of the top hitters in the league. I think because of Joey. I think for a while, even though Guzzi's a gigantic human, he was kind of in Joey's shadow for a little bit because they're just very similar. You know, sim- you know, first base, big lefty power guys. Both came through the organization. Uh, so kind of Guzzi kind of just like was in the shadows a little bit, but now people are kind of starting to see this kid has real legitimate ability. But I, I, I do kind of agree with you on young players. I, I'm I'm I kind of a combination of new school and old school. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it's it's pretty simple what you want from a young player. You want that you have got to have confidence to play at this level, and it doesn't come. You know, everyone always says you have to have success before confidence, and I, I disagree. You have got to be confident, otherwise. Success just just won't happen. There's a difference between confidence and cockiness, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, no one wants to be around a cocky guy. That's that's exhausting. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I I do think there's a level, I think, with with all players. But you want to see, especially with a young kid who comes up, you've got to see that confidence and you've got to see just a level of humility that comes along with it. That uh, I'm very confident. I believe in myself, but I know I have a lot to learn and I I want to learn. Uh, Those are the guys you really – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, have you seen – because – generationally there are changes and 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 you see different attitudes coming up and and many more athletes now early seem to like well you know what i understand the culture before was to defer but i'm doing this as well or better than you why should i defer and, and have you noticed a, a a change and and how does that change the dynamics of, of a club with yeah you? yeah that's a good question I, I mean i have noticed a change i think it's a good change you know when i first came up there was shut up rookie don't say a word, and you know, part of me felt like just saying, "Hey, man, kiss my ass." I'll, I'll, I'm here to play too. <laughs> hey, you, know, you can't say ass on this show. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry for the show called Ballsy. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, for me, like you know, I, I honestly felt that way. Like, hey, listen, I mean, I, I felt like it's one thing, like you, like you guys said earlier, if you're a cocky kid, yeah, you probably gonna get brought back down, back down to earth a little bit. But I feel like if you know you're being respectful of your teammates, respectful of yourself respectful of the coaching staff and you you approach the game with a level of you know confidence like i said humility and uh you know energy and enthusiasm yeah you should be allowed to speak your mind uh, because those kids are the ones who are going to be doing it the uh, in a way that doesn't offend anybody it's not going to rub anybody the wrong way and it's going to make your team better so i think those are the kids that i think should be encouraged by the veteran players to speak their mind and kind of try and take some ownership of the team for me the sooner the better you know if you have the right kid all right, before I let you go, I'm just going to give you my – this is my take. Kevin, I'd love to get your take. I know you haven't been around the club every day, but wanted to get your take from, from watching the team. My take is that it, the most encouraging thing for me so far has been the growth of Joey Gallo. I know there are fans who want to see him bunt a little bit towards towards the left side, 
I think there are some situations as he goes that he will slap the ball a little bit more towards the left side with with um, with these really uh, exaggerated shifts. But I think Joey has become something of a uh, of, of comf- he's become more comfortable in his skin in talking about who he is. I think he understands who he is. I think the the decision to say, "Hey, look, I'm fine." If the right move is to call Ronald Guzman up, if that's the best option we have for this team, I'm okay. Even though I wanted to play first base, I'm okay going to the outfield. Um, Kevin, I wanted to get your impression on on what you think has been, you know, in a season where there hasn't been a whole lot of encouraging things happen so far. What is your take from afar? And then I want to get, I want to get Michael's whatever wrong-headed opinion will be. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm having a difficult time here uh, with this. Uh, you know, I, I thought going into the season that Martin was really, I, I felt like his attitude about wanting to come back and pitch. You know, because he was he was saying, "Listen, I'm not going to miss any time. I'm ready to go." And and that's what we'd always. Andy, heard. Andy said, "Look, I want to be the guy that yes. this club has counted on." And, and Martin had always been characterized as a little bit fragile. That's right. why Tanner Shepard gets to start on opening day instead of a guy who'd pitched in the playoffs the year before, which I right. thought was a mistake, And uh, but that's that was the feeling the club had about him. So, uh, and then I thought that, you know, uh, you know, there were, there were other, I thought the bullpen was really going to be a strong point. Well, you know, it's kind of been up and down. There have been moments where the bullpen's been pretty good and then moments when it hasn't been very good. And so I, I think it's been pushed a lot because of the inability of the starters to go deep into these games. So that's a factor. I guess I'd have to say that, you know, uh, and that's what I'm, I'm writing about for tomorrow, I think, uh, unless they tell me like they tell David Moore what to write, uh, <laughs> is that uh, that Bartolo Colon uh, has, has certainly earned himself a position on, on this route. He's not, he's not keeping any young kids from pitching, and in a season like this one, that's the only complaint anybody should have. Is this guy standing in the way of the development of a young player who needs to play right now, and Bartolo Colon is not doing that. So that would be my that would be my. Call. All right, we we've got a very inside the box approach. We, Kevin and I, we and we don't see everything that goes on inside the clubhouse. We're not we're not informed about that. We don't have a player's perspective. You've watched the, most of the first eighteen games. What do you think? What is the most? What is the thing that that gives you encouragement right now? Um, well, I think that uh, you spend more time in a clubhouse than the carpet. You were there all the time. And they have similar personalities. With a pen and a paper, and you judge and stare, and you judge and you stare. So, yes, you're there all the time. But, yes, I'll answer your question. Um, Regarding Joey, um, yeah, I I do agree with you, Evan. I think uh, Joey has been fantastic. Um, You know, when he gets an opportunity to – I know how much Joey's looking forward to really establishing himself as a – as one of the top uh, defensive first base in the league. I mean, that was something he talked very openly about in spring training publicly and privately is that he wanted to be one of the best in the game at first base defensively. And to kind of have us, you know, get snake bitten by some injuries early and to know Guzzi was coming up and Joey just says, no big deal, let's go to left field. I mean, that's, that, that's and, and to have that happen during the season, um, it's one thing to happen, you know, during spring training when there's still kind of some, you know, some things that are, to be considered, but to have it happen on this, when you have to be on the fly during the season is very, very difficult. And Joey deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, how the kind of the, the shift stuff will work out, I think that you know that's one of those things that um, you know it's going to be a very fluid thing with Joey. Um, but I mean, here's the thing: man. I mean, he's got he's got power that I mean we, none of us have really seen before. I mean, if you if we think right now, I'm pretty sure all three of us would do the same thing. If you say, all right, top three powers in the game, players in the game, I'm saying Stanton, Judge, Gallup. And I'm not even blinking. Correct. That's like how yeah. much power this guy has. So, like, last night you have this Blake Snell kid who's got just tremendous power stuff, and he gives up his first ever career homer to a left-handed hitter. And Joey, I don't know, Joey hits it on top of the whole building in dead center off a guy who's just got great stuff. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that he's capable of doing. 430 so it, feet, it, 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 110 miles an hour. Yeah. And... uh you know, that's the kind of stuff that Joey's capable of. So, yeah, while, while we would love to see him kind of expand his game into everything, he's got time to do that. I think it's one of those things where Joey's a very young kid, still learning. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's swinging at better pitches. He's got a very he's very got a very confident air about him. Uh, I think his, his at-bats are kind of like uh, becoming those must-see TV kind of at-bats where you want to see what he's going to do. 
Um, so I'm, I'm very proud of the kid. Uh, I think the sky's the limit, and I think as, as his career kind of advances, he's just going to keep getting better and better. All right, well, we've, um, we've kept you long enough today. I know, um, I, I, I don't know, what do you have to do? Go buy slippers or something? Like that? <laughs> slippers. Slippers? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know what do it is. That, I do not know what it is that you old, cranky people do. Do you have a napkin tucked in your shirt right now, and you're getting ready to wipe out barbecue for lunch? Uh, no, I did that yesterday. Sweet. Uh, what do you What Thanks do you got call. going on the rest of the day? Uh, I'm 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 dad and dad duty lit, man. Um, full full on dad duty. School pickups, practice drop offs, the whole thing. The the next time we have you on the podcast, can we talk about your your fights? Yeah, I, I could have sworn you were going to get into that today. Yeah, you can. <laughs> he told me yesterday when I called him about this. He says, "Like I said, how you doing?" He goes, "Well, I'm all black and blue. Had a big fight this weekend. Um, uh, my ear is bleeding." By the way, his neck for his Evan's neck for hyperbole right now is off the chain right now. But <laughs> go ahead. No, it's not. This is things he actually said. Or did you not say this about? And let's just say this: How far away are you from your actually black belt in? What is it that you're? Which which discipline are you uh, pursuing? It's uh, it's beat the hell out of Evan. It's it's, uh, it's a new it's a new martial art. If it's, but taking, it's, uh, it's growing in popularity by yeah. the day. If it's taking you this long to get a black belt and beat the hell out of Evan, you're a really bad student. <laughs> but what is it? Brazilian jiu jitsu. It's I mean I've I've done a lot of jiu jitsu and uh, karate, a little bit of kickboxing, muay thai. It's been fun. I've, I've done it now for about five years. It's been cool. And, and so you're testing for black belt here soon, right? Yes. Um, well, congratulations on that. Yeah. Hope if I pass, thank you though. <laughs> um, and I hope you heal up from whatever all these injuries are. Are you? Are you okay? I'm good. I'm okay. good. Uh, I think you know you can be my new sparring partner. I'd appreciate that. What are friends for? Yeah, yeah I will. I I'll, like that. I'll, I'll, and I'll come watch. Yeah. That'd be great. All right, try not to um, troll me too bad on Twitter this week, okay? You you won last week. Appreciate it. I've been silent, man. I've been I've been silent. Just I mean, you're, God, you're you're I mean, low hanging fruit is not even a something I would just use to describe you. That's making it. That's putting it mildly. Yeah. Oh, a lot, oh, <laughs> people would people would describe me as a fruit. All right. Yeah. A pear. <laughs> they describe me as a pear. <laughs> all right, we'll let you go. We kept you way too long. Thanks for thanks for joining you're good. us. All right, be Thanks, good. Boys. Thanks, Thanks, Michael. Michael. Be good. Bye. Um. All right. Before we go, I got. I. I got to. Can I? Can I just talk about my trip back from Houston? This. And you drove back. You know, you drove to and from as you should have. Yes. Stop you, off at Bucky's. He, he, I stopped at Bucky's on the way down, but not on the way back. Not on the way back. Okay. Because let I, me ask you this: But you did stop once. Did you get a ticket in Madisonville? I tell you, coming back from the Final Four, I got a ticket at one thirty in the morning. There, that cop was really rude, and I swore to myself if I had the money. I would put a sign up saying "Do not stop at this Bucky's" because they, it is a speed trap. I did not. I did not get a ticket in Madisonville. I did not stop in Madisonville. This on the way down. I mean, on the way back, I stopped on the way down um, because Bucky really. I, I don't care about the food, the the nuggets, or anything like that. It's kind Bucky's, of just an experience. Bucky's has great bathrooms. Yeah, that's what Debbie likes. Bathrooms are great. Yeah, they do have great bathrooms, no waiting, a lot of a lot of facilities. But the the drive back was interesting and, and let me tell you a couple things. One, um stopped in Huntsville. Um home of our, our great state prison. Yes. And I stopped for barbecue there because I had seen that there was also a bar- Sam Houston State. Barbecue restaurant there. Um, Mid order. There's yeah. a barbecue a new it, it's fairly new, I believe. I believe it's been open about a year. It's called um uh Walls. And it is named after the Walls yeah, unit right. at Huntsville. Yeah, um, the entire staff inside was female, which really I liked that. You know that everybody was very friendly. wasn't a bunch of you know hipster. Uh, You're treading a fine line here. A, a, a bunch of hipsters who weren't like with long beards and everything. It was very nice. The lady who waited on me, she asked me. I ordered a half rack of ribs, and she said, "Which end of the rib? Which end of the rack would you like?" Wow. One end was a little bit more charred than the other. So I thought that was very friendly and helpful. Um, And that was all very good. And so if you're if you're on the way to Huntsville or or Houston, 
Maybe I mean, if you're going to prison in Huntsville and you yeah. have a chance to stop right before you go into the or right. Sam Houston State, yeah, or, or Sam Houston State, stop there. And and it's also the closest I have ever had a meal to a maximum security prison. So that's Try right. That going for that's it. a bucket list yeah. item. Yeah. Um, and then I went next door. It's it's in a little, not even strip, but basically connected to a uh, gas station there. Uh-huh. Um, and I went into the gas station and, um. Uh, was going to pick something up. I'm not going to tell you what. Um, now what? You can't say that now. Mike and Ike's. Okay. <laughs> Mike and Ike's. I was you know, sugaring myself you're up. You're so mature. Okay. You're so mature. I, had to, yeah. I, I did not sleep well. I needed to sugar myself up. Um, but as I was walking to the counter, there's a little table there with some artwork out. And, and there were two things that caught my eye. One was a little cutout of the state of Texas in which... Um, the borders of the state were all made out of handguns. Six shooters. Six shooters, Um, which I thought was interesting. Then my eye wandered over a little bit farther to the left, and there was a cross there. And and Gina has a collection of crosses in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, She likes the artwork of the cross. Um, And and this cross was a big – it had like three – sets of crucifixes on one one was large mm-hmm. the next one was kind of a, like a distressed wood and then the third one on the inner portion layers it, is what you're saying layers yeah um the third layer was a camouflage cross um and in the center of the camouflage cross was a deer a buck and, and then in a I scope <laughs> yeah and then no <laughs> but i noticed that the third layer of the crucifix was attached to the other layers with um, uh, what looked like bullet casings. And I just walked away from this saying... You didn't pick it up? I, I, it? I should have. I was going to buy it for Kevin. Now, he um, did take pictures, uh, and, he, and he sent me these pictures. And unfortunately, this being a podcast, you know, we, 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 we can't, can't display them. And I don't want to offend anybody, you know, for, for who... The, who it who might, are you going to offend? Well, I don't know. It might be somebody who you know believes. I, I don't unit. know. I don't know. To In me, the crucifixion of a deer. It didn't say anything religious, but I was just. It, it seemed like a very odd. Yeah, juxtaposition there. Juxtaposition of things. Yeah. Am I crazy? Well, you are crazy, but it has nothing to do with this particular thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a little odd. Uh, that's a little bit of kitsch there that you probably wouldn't get in most places and not going to see and hanging in too many living rooms, I'm guessing. Oh, I think you see that around the state more than you would. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about it. I can see the camo cross, but the, with the deer on top of it, that's a little much. And the, the bullet casings. I, I'm thinking that maybe some people would find that particularly offensive some might i'm I'm not easily offended by by things like that but uh i I could see how people would be that you're you're risking something uh doing that um and then i continue you're going for a specific audience uh, yeah i would say say. you've narrowed your audience down i guess you know i i guess for me it would be something that somebody who's got a hunting cabin or a hunting lodge it might be something that they put in there i guess that would be the I just thought it was a very strange piece of artwork. Yeah. Um, continued up I-45, got to Hutchins, and the interstate. We're well, almost home now. The interstate was closed. I mean, closed. There was a backup of like a good five miles there. I don't know what happened, but I've, I've not seen the interstate in the middle of the afternoon completely closed. Good thing you had that drink. Yeah, there you go. Oh, you're Mike at and that Ike's. point in time. It, it was, was not. Not, <laughs> it was not a good time. Point. Um, so I had to <laughs> detour all the way around Hutchins. Found my way to I twenty. Went I twenty to uh, uh, spur four hundred eight. Spur four hundred eight. I get on spur four hundred eight, and now there's a, a cop there, and uh, he's behind a motorcycle, and all of a sudden the motorcycle takes off. And what amounts to a high-speed chase. Really? <laughs> Did you get involved in the high-speed chase? I wanted to get up there and see what the heck was going on. But by the time I got up there, I mean, they were gone. So I, I, I have no idea uh, what was going you on. You should have gotten caught up with him and asked the cop, do you want me to knock this guy off the road for you? Well, I could. I, the cop couldn't catch up to the guy. You now, flash your media pass? <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. 
I just I would love to know what was going on. So if you were involved in the high speed chase and you happen to be a ballsy listener, yeah, please email me, text me, let me know what happened. Yeah. Then the last thing on my drive home was as I'm driving up Spur 408, I see a there's there's a few of these. I don't know if you're aware of this, Kevin, but there's a few billboards for gentlemen's clubs. Oh, okay, yeah. And I happen to notice this. I got Kevin board. back in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I woke He's up. sitting over here saying nothing. We're like, <laughs> I was nodding off. Very low key. I happen to notice this billboard <laughs> for a gentleman's club. Yeah. And the advertisement was that uh, on April 28th at this particular gentleman's club, Stormy Daniels will be dancing here in Dallas. Well, you know she lives in Forney. She does live in mm-hmm. Forney. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that, you know, if you want to, you can go get up close and personal so with speak. Stormy Daniels on uh, April During 28th. her tour. Her tour. Make America Wild Again, I think is what it's called. No, I don't believe that's what it's called. No. I don't believe that's what it's called. No, let's don't use that word because we've already used enough here that we're going to change We've the already name. said ass three times yeah, on the show. Kind of the new name for the thing would be ass wipes, probably. <laughs> but but anyway. Uh, Assy. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you had such a nice little Evan's Excellent Adventure here. Uh, usually, yep. on, I have to say this. I much prefer driving 45 to driving 35. Oh, without a doubt. But there is construction on 45 right now. There's a significant amount of construction. But there's a lot less than there's on 35. Yes. 35 there, is a nightmare. There is. I'm there just is. amazed after going through all that, you actually remembered the date on the billboard about when Stormy was well, going to Well, are you kidding? <laughs> Wrote it down. <laughs> Stop. Evan's over there. Took his phone. <laughs> Put it in my calendar. Yeah. No, actually, because I wanted to make sure that our news people were aware, because I'm, I'm always looking for news tips. Yeah. And wow. here's the scary part. Yeah. We already knew. Is that right? Yeah, we already were aware. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I can't wait to see what the scene would be like there. I hope we'll hopefully we'll have a story for really a lot of highbrow stuff. I'm sure with a lot of artwork from there. Um, yeah. But that's uh, that's a Rangers podcast for today. I am not in Tampa. Obviously, I'm here. Jerry was in Tampa last night. Um, yeah, Jerry's he, from Tampa. He's from the he's from St. Pete, St. Pete, mm-hmm. Clearwater area. Yeah, his sister lives down there. It's great that he was able to go down there. Had himself a grouper sandwich. My God, I think he like s- watch the game in between grouper sandwiches. That's the, all the guy talks about. <laughs> yes, is. it is. Going to get a grouper sandwich. Grouper, grouper, grouper. Sit on the beach. That's his. That's his dream. The, yes, it is. I, I I don't think you know this, but you know he has one of those metal detectors. He does not have yes, a metal detector. He, he goes, does out, he goes, he goes out, out on looking the beach for change. looking for buried treasure. He is not. You could see Fraley doing that. Come on. No. You know, I, will say, I want to go back to the to Huntsville because, you know, listen, I'm a Texas guy. <laughs> you may. I'm a, yeah, I'm a Texas guy. And I, and I and Huntsville is a, is, has a lot of redeeming factors. I got to say. I've struggled to find good places to eat in Huntsville. No, I, I would I would go to Walls and um, uh, definitely try their their barbecue. Um, it's right off of Forty Five, uh, right where Forty Five and Seventy Five hit, um, right off the highway. I, Have you I, been to Mister Hamburger there? No, I saw the Mister Hamburger, Hamburger sign. I know you're a big fan. I got a, I got a decal. I got it on my laptop, which but, is under repair right now. But that is that's the big difference between 35 and 45. There's places to stop along 35. Yeah, you know, especially yeah, in Waco. 45 is not. Yeah, 45 is 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 really devoid a lot of Dairy Queens of food options. But boy, you really can get to Houston pretty quickly. You know? A lot quicker. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah. Well, good. it's just it's just it, when I'm going to when I go to A and M, I don't go down 35 and take six. I always go 45, 45 to 21. Get off at Madisonville. Yeah. 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 There is and, and David Barron, your good friend David Barron, yeah. who said hello, was telling me David Barron of the Houston Chronicle was telling me that they are now planning to um, straighten out 45 in Houston. To make it parallel with I-59 and apparently going to build some type of uh, rooftop park a la Clyde Warren Park down there. Really? Hmm. I guess you mean when it hits town? When it hits downtown? I guess so, yeah. Because it does take yeah. a huge bend. off, yeah. yeah. Uh, right there. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, that won't, I'm sure that won't do anything to Houston traffic at all. Oh, no, no. I will say this. uh uh, having left Houston 33 years ago, uh, when they did, had no toll roads uh, and was just a nightmare right. back then, it's 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 a lot better now with the toll roads. But it's still the traffic in Houston is when people complain about it here, they have no idea. No, 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 no idea. 
Uh, do we have anything else Rangers related? Is there any questions that you guys have? No, but our, our friend Brian Ella just is telling us to wrap it up. I don't listen. First of all, I don't see a guest sitting over here in your chair for your little TV thing that you're going to do here. Okay, Brian. Oh, okay. Now Ben's sitting in the chair. <laughs> ben, ben, you're not a guest. Ben is not going to be the guest. When the guest walks to the door, Brian, then I'll be quiet. Okay. Until the guest walks in the door, I'm going to talk as long as I freaking want to talk. Freaking? Can we say freaking? We can, well, you've already introduced all the... Uh, Story time with Evan should be wrapped up now. <laughs> <laughs> you Brian, said he doesn't talk. Brian is not entertained. Are David, you, when, they, he said, when, the, when the question was asked, are you not entertained, Brian said no. Yeah, he keeps the thumbs down at going the to Huntsville and being in prison, then we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, did you have fun? Yes. Do you want to join so us done? again in the future? Sure. Yeah, I think we're done. Uh, and we'll be back, though, next week, and we'll have uh, more podcasts. Uh, yes, we will. And uh, we'll do other things. And draft we might week. even. We might draft even, week next week. Yeah, there we go. Draft week is going to be huge next week. Next week will be a huge in the draft. Gargantuan week for those Mavs. Uh, here comes the guest. The guest is Tristan Hallman this week. Tristan, you should know, is a big Padres fan. He is the, the Padres fan. Yeah, here in this market, for sure. Did you grow up in San Diego? Grew up in San Diego. Who is your favorite Padre? Tony Gwynn. Tony of course. Yeah. That's everybody's answer. Yeah, that's everybody's answer. He was a great one. So uh, we're going to get off the air so Tristan can um, Tristan Hallman uh, can uh, do a talk back to Channel 5 now. Yeah. All right, everybody. This is fascinating for our listeners, I can tell you. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 this is must-hear <laughs> mania. As we wind our way up 40. Yeah. Live. I thought the 45 story was interesting. No, it was. Yeah, it was really good. That was a highlight. Okay. All right, well, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week. Rangers, Cowboys, uh, Cowboys draft. Hopefully we'll have some, uh, maybe some other little bond mots for you. But for now, so long from Ballsy. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.